0: Guru Nation, welcome to episode 535 of Random Usings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interviewed Kim McDonald-Taylor. Uh, she is uh, a generalist in every sense of the word. And uh, I mean, no introduction is fair for the amount of networking and influence Kim has in Canada and even in the US she's got you know she's a, she's an instructor with Seneca College she's she's a um former president of the clinical research association of canada she's a consultant doing business for herself lots of good stuff in here for entry level or anybody trying to level up their career whether you're in the u.s or canada so check that out also in the show notes we have the cra academy the crc academy both links in the show notes we also have links to the youtube membership page there's a lot you can be doing on the uh youtube premium a monthly zoom just for the youtube members uh weekly videos on using social media and some of the things that we actually discussed with kim on this episode so check that out also if you need help getting more studies for your site text me 949-415-6256 and with all that being said enjoy the show hey guru nation welcome back to a special episode Pardon the dust. My camera's not good. The lighting's not good. I'm in the middle of a move. We're gonna make improvements, guys. Just be patient. But we got such a special guest on today, Kim McDonald-Taylor, clinical research consultant from Ontario, Canada. Uh, Kim is someone that I've known for a while on the interwebs. I actually uh this year 2021 hello from those watching in the future it's now <laughs> july 2021 in i believe it was april or march that i joined you. Mm-hmm. in march we did a um kim did a clinical research association of canada uh what was it a virtual webinar or conference
1: it was a conference um looking at career development
0: that was such a cool event usually i don't do those kind of things but Uh, I'm glad I did Kim because I really love that speed dating aspect like you just click a button it randomly gives you someone else you get like a minute to talk and then you move on that was a really cool idea Uh, you actually inspired us at Latinos in research to do something similar uh, later this year Uh, so stay tuned for details on that but Kim is the Toronto area chairperson for the Clinical Research Association of Canada. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into why that exists. She's also an instructor at Seneca College uh, and then she's a uh, professional consultant. She owns her own consulting group. She's got a lot of experience in clinical research, variety of services, medical writing, training, project management, uh, site gap analysis, SOP development, clinical development, She's a clinical lead for multiple sites, managing lung cancer studies in US and Canada. I mean, Kim, Kim's a generalist. She does it all. Yeah. And she's definitely someone I get to know anytime someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn from Canada and says, Hey Dan, how do I get in? The end. I say, look, you gotta talk to Kim. Kim <laughs> is you're gonna start getting a lot more referrals, Kim. We're gonna That's put okay. her LinkedIn profile okay. underneath. Everybody stop what you're doing even if you're not in Canada. So what? Exactly. Go follow her. That's uh, it doesn't matter, but especially if you're Canadian, what are you doing if you're not following her? I mean, that's just <laughs> not a good idea. So Kim, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. I'm pleasure to be here.
0: So, how did we actually meet because you know, you're one of those people that I just I know from LinkedIn. And I have no idea how we met.
1: <laughs> um, I, I think the first time I found you, I teach as a, as you mentioned, a postgraduate program in clinical research at Seneca college. And I was also teaching for Humber college before that same kind of program. And, I'm always looking for videos to make things more interesting when I'm teaching. And I was Googling of different clinical research topics and I teach quality assurance. And I found some things about auditing, getting ready for a site inspection and great videos. So I started following you and looking at your videos on a regular basis.
0: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's like, you know, LinkedIn's funny because you develop these relationships, but then you try to figure out when it started and you can't there's no starting point because you never met in person or anything like that so it's just kind of happened it's kind of weird but it's cool at the same time Uh, so Kim why don't you talk to us a little bit about um, how you got started in research like if we could go back to the beginnings you know what were you doing before research and then how did you discover this industry
1: so I'm old so things are very different back then (laughs) (laughs) But um, over 30 years ago, so it's 33 years ago, um, I was working as a research technician at an academic um, university doing heavy metal toxicity. I was working on my master's degree, and I realized I didn't want to stay in academia. So back then, ads were in newspapers, (laughs) and there was an ad for a clinical research associate in a newspaper for Searle. Which is an old company that was it was Current Canada, but it was an American-based pharmaceutical company. And I applied and I got interviewed and I got the job. So it's pretty crazy, really. What did you
0: think though? You saw Clinical Research Associate? I mean, what do you think? It just sounds fancy.
1: I really didn't know what it was, I'm not gonna lie. And there was no <laughs> internet to do research because this is pre-internet. So I asked around. I had a kind of an idea, but when I got in the interview, it sounded great. And My boss who interviewed me, Nancy McCullough, she um, was from academia and she realized the skills I had fit. You know, I had the attention to detail that you need to be a CRA, um, the personality by working with different people. So, yeah, she gave me the opportunity, which was fabulous.
0: Wow. So you started out as a CRA for a sponsor and you've you've become a generalist and not every I mean, most people in this industry remain specialists, not that there's anything wrong with that. Some people prefer that route, but you are, you know, you're doing so many different things and you're always, you're, you're a connector. You're always connecting people and networking is a big part of your career. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did your career evolve from CRA to everything else you're doing?
1: Yeah. So I I think what happened, I worked for two different farmers. I worked for Bear as well. And then I was looking for new opportunities. And there was an upstart uh, contract research organization called Endpoint Research, Canadian-based. And I was the 12th employee. So when you start out with a small company, you get to do everything. So that's how I became a journalist because I started writing SOPs. I started doing some quality assurance work. I was monitoring, I was managing studies. So that gave me the opportunity, the small company. And we grew that to over about 250 employees and we had three offices around the world. But unfortunately, all good things come to an end. That company no longer exists. Actually, all of the companies I used to work for, except for Bayer, <laughs> no longer exist. <laughs>
0: you know, that's... I'm glad you said the, uh, the part about small, you know, working for a small Mm -hmm. company. Um, people don't think that way. They, and I, I've been giving this advice for the last two years, at least like, look, small is the new big. This is, if you want to grow quickly, you want to go to a small clinic, like a site or a CRO or a sponsor, the smaller, the better, because you're going to, first of all, there's less competition to get in is not so many people know about it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the, the, the tendency for sort of research naive people who wanna get in the industry, the tendency is for them to go to the prestigious AMCs, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's, you're really, uh, you don't have a good chance of getting in number one and number two, once you're in there, what are you actually like, what is your role, you know?
1: It's distinct and small, exactly. Yeah, I'm a fan of small companies because it allows you to to show yourself. The, you're closer to the top, so they see you, they see your potential, and they allow you to grow. You know, you become the the person that fills in when someone leaves. Well, Kim got a good experience in there. Let's put her in that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let's so, put know, her you, director. You know, and you get like a year of experience. You go if you show promise. You know, hey, yeah. our director left. You're now director, something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, the risk is the small companies can go out of business, like you said. Of course. But guess what? All those people, it's not like they disappear. It's not a Avengers where they snap the finger and they dissolve. <laughs> they they go to other companies, and so exactly. now that's your network. You know, you're connected now. You can go wherever you want, and guess what? Now you have like a director level or whatever when you go.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other way that I think my career grew is during my time at Endpoint, I was there maybe two years, I started volunteering with the Clinical Research Association Canada. So I've been volunteering with them since
0: 1997.
1: Wow. And I was the president for quite a long time. And people that don't know me thought, boy, why does she want to be the president? It's because no one else wanted the job. Because <laughs> it's volunteered, it's a lot of work. So I kept trying to get, finally, I'm not the president. I don't want to be the president anymore. But it was a great opportunity. I got to meet people. You know, when you're looking for speakers, you just phone people, cold calls. And so you meet a lot of people. People get to know who you are. And yeah. I spoke at a lot of the meetings as well. So I do a lot of speaking at conferences as well. I really enjoy that. I guess because I'm
0: teaching and all that, I I enjoy speaking. Kim is a go getter. I mean, so we're going to talk about Clinical Research Association of Canada. It's a perfect segue. But Kim's a go getter because, like like I was saying earlier, they had the uh, um, virtual conference earlier this year. And uh, Kim's right when she said looking for speakers. You know, she asked me, I remember three times. And Kim, I was like, you know, I'm kind of hesitant to do that stuff because. Uh, I've done like the DIA and the bio, and I'm just not a fan of those. Again, small is the new big. So Mm -hmm. I just assumed, it's one of those things. But then Kim was persistent. I was. And then she was like, just dedicate three days or two days. I was like, no, no way can I do that? She's like, okay, can you just do like, she made it happen. She made it happen. Whereas at the bigger conferences, maybe they would have been like, okay, he said, no, let's go find someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a hats off to you, Kim, for doing that. Like you really are uh, a go-getter. Can you talk about that organization Mm -hmm. and its importance in Canada?
1: Yeah. So it started in 1980 and basically there was some clinical research professionals that were getting together in a pub and going, you know, we need a forum that we can get together and talk about things and we can learn from each other. So they founded it in this pub. They came up with the name and everything. And then they started having dinner meetings in Toronto and then they expanded to Montreal. So it was just mostly Toronto and Montreal. And it was a great networking. So, um, And we always try to pick topics that are specifically interesting to Canadians um, because there's nothing like that out there everything's very no offense but American focus or international focus so we try to get things that affect Canadians as well as others and it's been really great Um, I love these meetings and honestly I tell people to attend it's happened more than once where someone will come up to you okay Kim I need to hire two contract series is there anybody here tonight and I go actually yes because I knew pretty well everyone there, this person and this person. But at the end of the day, those two people had contracts to do some work. Wow. So that's the kind of stuff. I mean, it didn't happen every meeting. But that's the kind of stuff <laughs> that happens at these meetings. Now, of course, we've had to go virtual with COVID. And it's allowed us to have a bigger reach. We also do meetings in Calgary now, too. We started a group out there. But it's a lot of work setting up meetings, you become an event planner, like you have to figure out meals and food and venues, and all that oh kind my of gosh. stuff. Too. So
0: people just assume that it's so easy, you know, and even like if you like with COVID, like the, the meeting I attended was virtual. Even that is a lot of work. I mean, yeah, you don't have to plan food and everything, but you got to plan speakers, you got to make sure the tech is working, yeah. all that stuff. It's not easy. This is yeah. a full-time job and no one really asked you necessarily to do it but that's uh shows the importance of networking what what you just oh, said
1: yeah. N- networking is really key and then the other thing that crack we call ourselves crack because that's the acronym ah. um which i think is kind of funny it's a good um,
0: a good acronym
1: <laughs> and it started before the street drug crack so i you gotcha the, um <laughs> We also have a certificate. So there's the ACRP and the SOCRA certifications, accreditations, which are great. But they focus on American regulations. So we developed one with a, a consultant. We call Clinical Research Professional in Canada. And the regulations are Health Canada. There is EU regulations and FDA. So mm. all three regulations are within it. So we've started that and I think that's going to be really successful as well. Wow. That's did a... that extra little. So I always recommend people to network, get that certification when you have a bit of experience and it's going to help your career.
0: Can you, I'll get back to networking, but can you educate me really quick on like the main difference between Canadian regulations and U S
1: um, there's very specific things. Um, the the, um, how the Ethics Committee is constituted is different. The record retention. Canada keeps records longer than anyone in the world. We keep them for 25 years, <laughs> we just do. And that's never changing, apparently. They want it to be two generations, that's why. So, so there's little things like that that are really important that you need to know. Um, And just the whole, you know, the number of days of reporting SAEs, that's all the same. There's a lot of things that are the same, but there are specific differences that you just need to know.
0: Gotcha. And networking, uh, you know, whenever people reach out to me with little to no experience, and I recommend networking, they're always hesitant because they feel like they have nothing to contribute. So what is your answer to these people?
1: Well, you need your as they say your elevator speech your 30 second introduction to yourself what kind of experience you have and why you're there you know i'm here because this topic is really of interest to me i'm here because i'm looking for a cra position whatever it is and you keep it short and you need, need to ask a lot of questions you need to ask the other person about themselves and then they just maybe talk about the the subject that's being discussed to show that you have interest and knowledge. And you just try to impress people on what you know. That's what I've done.
0: Yeah, I kind of give similar advice. I say, look, uh, what skills do you have? Just period, forget about research. You know, some people are like really good at TikTok and social media. Do you know how much business, I'm partnered with an oncologist in LA. You know how much he's become like a famous on TikTok because he has a a (laughs) consultant. Check this out. He knows not even how to use his phone. He has a consultant come in. It's, it's a millennial uh, 20-something uh, female. She comes in. She videotapes him for an hour every month. So they do like, t- he changes his outfits. Just an hour every month. He's got like 100,000 TikTok oh, wow. followers. He's getting uh, He's getting appointments from patients calling to make wow. appointments. So point is, if you are somebody who knows how to do social media maybe just like a little better than what a researcher is able to do you can say hey I can help you with this I'm actually really good at Instagram or making a website or making a blog whatever
1: those skills are really great like I started going on Twitter and I actually helped ask my daughter who's a millennium okay how does Twitter work what is hashtag what is that so she gave me a 10 minute lesson and I'm on Twitter and I have a fair number of followers, which is great. And I tweet about clinical research. Yeah. And when there's new stuff happening, I tweet it. And I also use LinkedIn a lot. I'm on LinkedIn. Every day I spend some time on LinkedIn.
0: LinkedIn, LinkedIn is amazing. Uh...
1: I've gotten a lot of work from LinkedIn. One of two of my new clients who I love, they're small companies. I, I really love working with small companies because I can help them. I'm developing SOPs, I'm writing protocols, uh, you know, things like that. I got the work from um, LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, you know, actually, I, uh, <laughs> I love the small market cap companies too. And it's, in, it's fresh in my mind because I just did the video two days ago. There's a company in Canada, actually, Vancouver-based, called PharmaTher. I I don't know if you're familiar with
1: them. them, Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: So they do psychedelic research, uh, ketamine, and reformulations. It's a very interesting company, but their market cap is only like 53 million US dollars. I mean, what an amazing opportunity for anybody watching to be able to go connect with them on LinkedIn, partner. Is this like the type of clients you you look for?
1: Exactly, exactly. Actually, I'm working with a a similar kind of company, working with ketamine and psychedelics. Canada's big in that stuff. Yeah, we have um, one of the gurus, Mark Hayden, who's uh, in University of uh, BC. And so he. there's a lot of spin-offs that have come from the work he's done. So... Yeah, there Canada. is a lot of this work in Canada for sure.
0: Why is Canada like leading the way seemingly in like CBD research and um, psychedelic and different things like this?
1: Well, we legalize cannabis, so that has a big part of it. So I think it's, it's easier to do research mm-hmm. here. We're actually crack is actually holding a symposium in October on cannabis and psychedelics.
0: I saw something like that on your LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's so uh, we'll, uh, if you want to get a whole, uh, you know, information on that message, Kim on LinkedIn, again, her link is underneath. You have to go follow. So <laughs> yeah, talk
1: to start promoting it very soon. So,
0: yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. Mm-hmm. I actually want to, I'll join that one. Um, can you, so when did the transition happen from working f- for you, working for others to okay. working for yourself?
1: Great question. So when endpoint closed, um, I was looking for a change. And I actually switched into the reimbursement area. And I worked in reimbursement for five years, which I think was a really good experience. It gave me a business aspect of what we do and helped me understand, but I was missing clinical research. So I just decided to hang out my shingle. I got word of one contract. So I quit And I went to work for one contract. So I didn't make a lot of money the first year. I'll tell you that. And it was a bit lean, but (laughs) I networked and networked and called people. I took a lot of people out for lunch and I got a few contracts with some friends and colleagues. And now I'm actually turning away business sometimes. Wow. I'm really busy. I only want to take so much. I don't want to drive myself crazy. Um, So I, I balance and I, Choose work that I like to do, so when I have a few gigs that I do in array, there's one company I train for them once a year. So that's the yeah. thing I do. I there's another company I review their SOPs every two years. So there's a few things that I just have, have little steady things, and then I teach at Seneca, which you know is a little bit of it. It doesn't pay as well the teaching, but I really <laughs> like it.
0: See the agency like a lot of this underrated when you start a business. First of all, it's not for everybody. I mean, we can spend an hour on this topic, but it's kind of like taking, especially when you're starting out, it's like taking uh, maybe a step forward every day. And then once, once, like every other week, you take like five steps back. Yeah. So at the end of the month, you're still up. But all you remember is like the big failures. And this is why people quit. I think this is why people quit like so early. Uh, it can when... be
1: discouraging for sure. And I have one client who, oh, there's so much potential there. And, and they haven't got any money right now. And it's really frustrating. Wow. So I'm doing work gratis for them on the promise of pay coming. Because I just know <laughs> that it's an amazing thing that they're working. I can't really say anything else about it. Yeah, that. yeah. You know, so there's, there are things like that, that you just get into, but helping companies succeed just gives me, it makes me feel like when I retire, I've made an impact and that's important to me in my life. So,
0: and that's, I know from, from interacting with you that that's uh, legit, especially working for free, you know, I'm in that same situation with one of our sponsors, uh, people, outsiders would look at us and say, Hey, that's crazy. Why? Crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not maximizing your ROI per every hour that you're breathing. Why? What's wrong with you, Kim? <laughs> what's your answer? <laughs>
1: exactly. And I'm what's like, your... <laughs> it, it's self satisfaction and making a difference. You know, when you see something that's going to be really amazing, then you do it. It mm-hmm. just makes sense to do it. Um, I want to make a good impact. So when I retire in about five years, I hope then I'll be in a good spot and I'll feel good about what I've done in my career.
0: Yeah. So what, um, cause your, your consulting company has been doing this for about nine, almost 10 years now. 10
1: years. Yes. 10 years. That's amazing. So I bring in other people. So I have a lot of um, virtual groups. So There's a regulatory person, Anna, that I work with all the time. So if my client needs that, she comes in and helps you. There's some other operations people. There's some CRAs. So I have a network of people that I bring in for bigger projects. Mm. Um, So I just don't do everything all by myself. But I have a little, like we're not an incorporated company together, all these people. But we all kind of work together. And and it works well.
0: I like that. But Before we started recording, we were, you and I were talking about the industry. You know, I get people reaching out, U.S., Canada, all over the place, actually. And interestingly enough, like when people want to immigrate, they Canada's like right there on the list. Like I get people from all over the place that say, hey, I'm trying to immigrate to Canada. Can you help me find a job there? Usually I tell them about crack. Uh, mm-hmm. the organization, not, not, not the drug, <laughs> correct. And then I tell them "Hey, Kim, Kim, uh, is a good person to get to know, but I, I don't have anything other than that, but you, you were telling me before we started recording about, you've never seen the industry like this. What do you mean by this?
1: Well, it's interesting on LinkedIn, especially, I'm noticing a lot of entry level positions being posted. And I post them, I copy them, post them on on the crack LinkedIn group, which you should join. Um, It's a great group. Well, you've joined it, but I'm telling the people to join it Um, because there's some like literally there's probably three or four jobs a week that are entry level that are coming up at sites, at pharma companies, at consulting companies and and mid-level jobs and also senior, of course. But I've never seen so many jobs available. I think there was a slowdown during COVID and now they're starting up again. There's a lot of work out there right now, which is great. My students, uh, Seneca, are really excited because I think there's a lot of opportunities for them to land really good positions.
0: I think so, So, too. And I also
1: think for someone coming to Canada, taking one of these post-grad programs I really recommend it. It gives you a really good basis. They have a really good reputation. There's a few of them around. Um, if you go to an employer and you have that, they know that they're not having to start from the bond teaching here that you have a level of knowledge mm. that you're going to be able to apply. You're going to hit the ground running, which is what employers always want.
0: Yeah, now good point, because I think um, people, and this is just human nature, but the tendencies to think about your needs first, and you're not necessarily thinking about what why the employee wants the or uh, the employer wants this. You know, the employer wants this because they wanna at least know that you understand research so that you know what you're getting yourself into. But they don't want you quitting after like two weeks of onboarding you. Yeah. Because it's not for you. So those yeah. kind of things at least set a foundation like, okay, this person at least knows they took a three month course or whatever. That's why our CRA CRC Academy is good too, I think. You yeah. know, you know what you're getting into. You're less likely to quit, basically. Yeah, these
1: programs are one year. They have four months of school, four months of an internship, and four months of school. So there's wow. a lot of schooling they learn. It's a pretty intense program. Is
0: that Seneca College?
1: Yeah. Okay. Hunter College has something similar. A uh, Mitchner College has something, but it's less intense. It's shorter, and then McMaster has one which is less intense as well, but there's a lot of programs out there, whatever fits your needs. Mm. Um, But they're pretty intense. You really do learn a lot. Like I have them writing SOPs. So when you write an SOP, you appreciate what an SOP is all about,
0: (laughs) right? I had, oh, maybe you can help answer this viewer question. I had one yesterday. I can tell they want me to help them with their job interview. Uh, But basically they said, hey, how do I write an SOP for site GCP training and I said well look it's like every year every two years look at the vendors come up with SOP what would you say to this person
1: um I always think an SOP is just like a recipe what do you do normally write down those steps okay now embellish them all make them more detailed and there's your SOP (laughs) and then format it and you're done like it doesn't have to be pretty yeah. It's literally the steps that you take. So I always say it's a recipe
0: yeah. and it's
1: a fairly detailed recipe.
0: I like that. Yeah. Deconstructing the yep. elements. Um, yeah. The, the, a lot of detail goes into, if it sounds easy, it's not easy when oh, you're no, actually it's doing it.
1: <laughs> I write a lot of SOPs for my clients. I've written hundreds of SOPs. So wow. yeah, no, it's not easy. And every company does them a little different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. I've only done SOPs for the sites that I own. And yeah. I, revi- I jump in and when uh, CRAs ask, hey, do you have a SOP for transporting IP or something that we actually don't have maybe, then I'll get in there and I'll just add a new section, you know, like a few paragraphs. But it's tough because you got to be concise, but also you got to make sure it's something that you can actually follow.
1: Exactly. If it's too precise, like if you say you're going to review your SOPs every year, you're not going to be, you're not going to do that. Every year is ridiculous. <laughs> right. Like, like you can't do it. It's a full-time job just reviewing SOPs. Right. So make it reasonable. Yeah. And, and you can't say, yes, I'm going to spin something in the centrifuge at whatever temperature. Maybe some protocols, it's different. Just To right. say the specified pre- temperature as per protocol, for example. Yes, like, yes. too specific it's like
0: an art in research what Mm -hmm. i've noticed from the fda or the regulators on down to this what you're just saying it's about um being vague enough while also being concise uh (laughs) and detailed enough it's like an art because you can't be too detailed because then you're not going to be compliant yeah. It, you kind of want to be vague, but you don't want to be too vague. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, not, a, it's a, it's an
0: art. This is a, this is yeah. not easy skill.
1: So these courses are great. And, and I really recommend them um, to give you that base that you need.
0: Gotcha. What, what are you seeing your students uh, nearing the completion of their program? What are you seeing them trying to get into? Like what kind of roles?
1: Um, a lot of them are getting in as clinical research coordinator assistants, um, maybe the, maybe recruiters, um, and patient I talked about that's a really good way to get into industry patient recruiting or clinical trial assistants at pharma companies. Um, a couple have actually got jobs at Health Canada as reviewer assistants. So you start at the bottom, you know, assistant role, but you move up quickly.
0: Mm, um, yes.
1: There's a lot of different kinds of roles. Um, and there's a lot of these uh, CROs that are looking for data management people that you can also go into that. You know, data
0: management's a thing that I've, I need to learn more about. Uh, do you know enough about this? to? I get those questions a lot also.
1: Well, there's a lot of um, clinical review that's involved in data management. So they need clinical expertise to help them with some of the decisions they make. Um, You can be a data entry person, that's not a very exciting job, but it can move up to being data manager, Um, really critical. And there's a lot of data management companies that just do data management. Um, McDougall Scientific is a really big one in Canada, but there's lots of different ones that do that, just data management. And then there's companies that do the whole gambit. Um,
0: Like the big Uh, CROs. So, because I, you know, and I, I always think compartmentalized. like, okay, data management, they're like in a silo, they're tech people, they're just looking, but you're saying that there's somebody, there's a opportunity for somebody who understands, someone like you maybe, or maybe not as experienced as you, like something no, more- No,
1: wouldn't need to be as experienced as me. Some of our staff or some of our students have gone into data management roles, um, even designing questionnaires.
0: Ah, okay. you know so
1: you need a clinical understanding a patient understanding to do that sort of thing
0: i see because if you leave those aspects up to the data management geeks like the people yeah, programming okay. the thing they don't know what patient you know have to go through or they don't know what it takes to actually run a study it's kind of like the sop you got to be compliant you know you can't just build a rigid exactly. system i yeah. gotcha. So, what so are these roles called the like these people who do this
1: uh, that's a good question i'm not really sure <laughs> D- data management assistant i think uh, something like uh, that I, I i actually really am not sure but wow. i know a lot of them have gotten roles like that um so there's a few there's a company axiom that seems to hire a lot of our grads and they do work like that so wow um, and, you know, then they move on. Like some of these students come in, they're nurses. And I go, oh, nursing, you're going to do great in this. And with this background, they land roles as a research coordinator. Yeah. Because I got the clinical research nurse boom right into to coordinating, which is fabulous for them. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome, Kim. Um, I guess as we're wrapping up, where do you see uh, research like this next decade?
1: A lot more virtual. Um, I see a lot of virtual trials we've had to pivot there very quickly and that's very unusual for the pharmaceutical industry to move quickly so I think a lot of wearables so wearables is a really growing area that people could get jobs in, probably helping understand the kinds of wearables that patients need so that they don't have to come into the clinic for their visits it also helps with getting those patients that are Uh, lower socioeconomic strata that can't afford to get to the sites, they can do studies still. So we're going to have more diversity in our clinical trials by using wearables and virtual trials. So a lot of advantages there. Um, And I think a lot of these small niche companies, you know, in the psychedelics and other areas like that are going to be coming up and doing some really important research.
0: Awesome. Well, Kim, uh, thank you so much for being on. Uh, a link to Kim's LinkedIn underneath. You need to go connect. Any last uh, bit of advice for somebody watching um, that's trying network. to advance their career network?
1: Definitely network, but don't just write to someone on LinkedIn and say, Can't get me a job. You know, <laughs> connect with them, follow them, comment on, like, don't just ask for a job. Like, I would not recommend someone I don't know. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. People think that people. we can do that. It's, I guess, no. a little bit crazy. It is Uh, to think that and
1: volunteer at places like crack, but really volunteer, get in there, get involved. I've recommended people that have volunteered that have moved up in the industry because I knew them and I knew they were good workers. So you got to know someone. So getting a mentor, but you can't just ask someone to be your mentor. You have to (laughs) work there.
0: Yeah, now every, everyone's going to ask you, Kim. Be be my mentor, Kim. <laughs> no,
1: I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the,
0: that's, the, that's the thing there. Networking yeah, yeah. is, uh, we networking can do a whole is, hour.
1: Yeah, networking is really important. So I recommend that getting out there and meeting, go to conferences, talk to people.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate it. Um, it'll be... Uh, we'll uh we'll do more definitely and uh we'll definitely keep in touch and everybody go connect and thank you guys so much for watching and make sure you like comment subscribe and share and we'll catch you all later bye-bye
1: thanks so much bye